What's up, everybody? This is Matt DeMarinas um, from White Wood Review. I'm sitting here with Caleb Joseph after um, another practice, first practice for DePaul, getting ready for the regular season finale, and uh, Caleb's final game in Omaha in a Creighton uniform. And uh, yeah, we're just going to do a little bit of a little senior tribute podcast here with Mr. Joseph. Caleb, how's it going? Going good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. You like it's probably easier to do this after a win, yeah. Yeah, you're more in the mood to have a conversation. Yeah, at least a better conversation. A better conversation. <laughs> yeah. Less curse words, yeah. less frustration for sure. Uh, just like go over that game last night because it's more than like, you know, you got on a little bit of a roll and the team built a big lead, and you kind of had just gotten over the hump as a team in terms of being able to finish games and after a tough stretch, and then it all started to unravel again. Yeah. Like, how did you guys just not let it, even though it unraveled, how did you not let it turn into a result like you guys had during that four-game losing streak? What was different? I think the biggest thing was we learned from the four-game losing streak. I think, um, honestly, even though we lost those games, I thought our fight was there. I thought... um, our attention to detail was there. I thought we did a lot of the things that we needed to do in order to win those games, but uh, we just came up short, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just little little mistakes here and there uh, during, during crunch time. And I thought that we did a really good job of um, not allowing one mistake to snowball into the next. And um, because when they, when, they, when they cut the lead mm-hmm. and they, they got it tied, or even when it went into overtime, um, it could have it could have gone south, you know. But I think uh, we've done a much better job of just being more mentally engaged and uh, yeah. just staying more a little more resilient, you know. Yeah. What was the message like? Maybe both in what Mac told you guys before the overtime period started, and then what you guys told each other in huddles, just to because you mentioned staying present a lot, but just to like not let what had just happened and the situation you found yourselves in consume you to the point where it would have affected that five minutes and probably resulted in a loss. Yeah, I think um, Mac, he more focuses on, like, the X's and O's of things and, like, the actual strategy of the game. Mm-hmm. While um, I really try to yell and, like, get through the guy's head is, like, we cannot allow what just happened like, you said that? Yeah. Okay. Like, we can't allow what just happened to dictate what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. I think um, – and we we had, like, a, a all-team – like, just a players-only meeting, and that was my message to the guys as well. It's like um, I thought when that four-game losing stretch came, um, after the first one or two, once it got close, you could see the energy kind of shift in guys. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, shit, we're – Sorry, am I about to swear? Yeah, you can like it. All right, uh, like, oh, oh, shit, like, we're here again. And then I think that the reminder of us losing the two games prior kind of crept up. Mm-hmm. And in sports, uh, especially in crunch time, so much of it comes down to just, like, your belief in your ability to actually win and uh, just staying poised. And I think, um, I think we just did a better job of doing that. I mentioned your big stretch there to get the big lead, but uh, – Another senior, Connor, came into that overtime period. And, you know, I don't think people are going to um, – when they look at the stat sheet, I don't know if they're going to say, wow, Connor really won that game. But if you look at his numbers, I think he had two points, uh, one assist, three rebounds. Mm-hmm. And 
two of the points and one of the rebounds came on Tyshawn's air ball when mm-hmm. you guys were up three mm-hmm. uh, to put you up five. And that essentially sealed the game pretty much because Providence was in score and foul situation. And yep. then the assist was on uh, Tyshawn's three to go ahead mm-hmm. of three. So, like, all of his stats came in the most important part of the game. Absolutely. Just, like, what kind of a teammate is he? And, and, and just his ability to stay engaged even though his playing time hasn't been consistent and his role hasn't been consistent, but then also to affect winning and losing the way he has down the stretch here as his career kind of winds down. Because you can kind of relate to that. In- Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Cash, he's just he's a really, like, he's just a stand-up guy. Uh, he's a guy who, like, obviously when you're a fifth-year guy and you transfer in, um, especially after having such a great career that he had previously Mm -hmm. you come in with a certain level of expectation not like any sense of entitlement but just like it's just a natural thing you kind of expect that like you're going to step into a a big a big like playing role and I think um me and him have had like a million conversations just about how to like stay engaged uh, because it's not easy and people don't realize like like all of these players are so invested, you know, your whole life revolves around basketball. And then when things don't go like the way you anticipate it, it really is like it hurts, you know, mm-hmm. but um, we just talk about staying engaged, staying ready because we've been around long enough. And that's part of like him being mature is just realizing that anything can happen throughout a season. And the moment that you like, take your foot off the gas or the moment that you allow your mind to drift away um, and have like a woe is me attitude, that can be the moment where you're subbed in the game and you have to make a difference, you know? So, and, and, and because you care so much, you never want to be that guy who's not prepared. Um, so that, those are a lot of the conversations that I have with Connor and um, even on the bench, like before, like before we get subbed in the game, we're talking about what we need to do, what we, what we can bring to the table, and um, I mean, just a testament to him and like his character, really. I'm glad you brought up some of those talking points because I want to touch on them with you a little bit later. But the one thing I want to start with, I guess, next is the little the urgency you guys are both showing is pretty clear uh, as your careers kind of wind down here and. In a season where it probably could have been easy to say, well, it's just not going to happen. There's too many moving parts working against us right now with all the injuries and the losses. But when you look at how close you guys were to winning that Villanova game and uh, how big of an impact you both had in that game, um, you probably don't beat DePaul without Connor. Uh, You don't beat Georgetown without you. You don't even have a chance to win last night's game without both of you. Like, where does the urgency come from to – because you know your time's running out, but also not to necessarily give in with all the things that are working against you. I just think uh, it comes down to just wanting to be a part of, like, playing in, like, big moments, you know. I think um, that's, that's as, an, as a competitor, you never count yourself out. I don't care if – the whole world is stacked against you and everybody thinks that you don't stand a chance. Like, just like the competitive nature in you always believes that if you're on the court, you can help your team win, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, it almost is one of those things where, like, you, you want to prove um, more than anything that you can, uh, pro- you can provide a spark or you can uh, play at a certain level. And I think uh, Connor has done a great job of that whenever his number has been called. 
um, offensively and defensively. And then for myself, I just um, just just trying to trying to do whatever I can to keep keep this season going. You know, how much does it mean to you to have the to be in the position you guys are in right now, knowing where it came from, like the four game losing streak, the way you were losing, how much mental fatigue it probably. I was mental strain if I put on these guys. Training, like yeah. to have to be in the position you are now, where I mean, you maybe you guys don't pay attention to it, but you're in bubble conversations. All of a sudden, you've got a chance to play your way into that tournament that you guys all wanted to be in at the end yeah. of the season. Like, how gratifying is it to see that that mentality has translated, and now you can like maybe continue to use that, I guess, because it's yielded positive results. Yeah, it feels great, and um, I think because the message that because we have such a young team being mentally disciplined and staying like mentally strong uh during tough times it, it, it's so much harder to to get a group of guys a group of young guys to to really buy in to like we can win games if we just do the right things you know so I think last night served as like almost a sense of like vindication or validation to ourselves uh, so that we know when we're playing in the Big East tournament, when that situation arises, because it it most likely will. We, like these teams are all good enough; anybody can beat anybody any given night. So I mean, when when we are with our backs against the wall, we know that we have it in us to respond and come out on the winning side of that. So I think more than anything, um, it just speaks volumes to the team's ability to just stay with it and to, you know, just have, like, a never-quit, never-die attitude. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back in time a little bit now and try to, like, unlock who you are, how you became the player you are, the person you are, and then get to the point where we're at now um, where you can be a little bit retrospective about it. But I guess, so the first thing is, you know, what sports did you play growing up and, you know, where did you find that competitive you know, drive inside you that is apparent nowadays when we see you on an everyday basis? And how did basketball become the sport that ultimately brought out the best in that from you? Yeah, uh, when I was a kid, I tried, I tried a few sports. I tried soccer, tried t-ball. Um, honestly, I just wasn't... I don't think you can play t-ball for that long. Though. Yeah, no, just, like I, just baseball, yeah. yeah. I, I wasn't... I wasn't they just tease off a desert yeah. like, what's this kid doing? Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> um, but I was I, I was terrible at them, and like I was kind of a brat like as a, as a kid. Really? Like if I didn't, well, I just didn't want. If I wasn't good at it, I hated like yeah. playing. And basketball was the only thing that like, other than boxing, that I started off pretty bad at. And I just always wanted like had just naturally had like a desire to get better. You know? Um, Do you know so, why basketball brought that out of you? I. Honestly, able to figure that out. I'm not sure. I think it was just because of like the crowd that I was hanging around with. Uh, my older sister introduced me to basketball, um, and she would always play outside of the apartment complex, and all the older guys were always there, and I'd watch 
outside my uh, my bedroom window, just watched them play pickup all day. And um, I think I just wanted to play with them. So I, I know the only opportunity for me to be able to do that was if I was good enough to. Yeah. So Was your sister good? Yeah, she was pretty good. She she ended up playing uh, Division three basketball at Norwich University. Okay. But um, she, was, she was pretty good. Did she gave you work back in the day? Oh, she used to kill me. Really? Yeah, she, yeah. She's, she's like a, a physical. Really? Like, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, she, she still might give me a run for my money in a really? fish fight. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> I guess well that goes along with my next thing. I wanted to, I was wondering what who some of your basketball influences were, um, and just like how it how you were able to use them to become the player that you are. Like players that I looked up to, or just people who influenced like my career. Yeah, um, the latter. Yeah, I think for people that in, influenced my career, um, I honestly was just blessed to have like great coaches like every stage of the every stage of like my career um thinking back to when I was in middle school um and honestly like not only were they great coaches but they were just great human beings Mm -hmm. and they really took an interest in me and like really kind of took me under their wings because my parents worked uh two three jobs at a time and it was really hard for them to uh to get me to and from practices. Mm-hmm. So from a young age, um, my middle school coach, he'd pick, we, he, he'd pick me up uh, and drive me to and from practice. Um, my AAU coaches from middle school all the way into high school, they do the same thing because they knew otherwise I'd have no opportunity of actually getting to these games. Um, they allowed me to sleep at their house uh, on weekends uh, for extended periods of time. So, I mean, they really, really um, influenced me growing up. Um, I think my middle school coach, uh, he taught me about uh, work ethic. He would always tell me, like, stories about Michael Jordan, about Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, um, just how hard they worked. So. He uh, he was the first person to like get me up at like six a.m. six a.m. in middle school and like we'd have practices on the weekends while all the other middle school teams. What was that like? It was. You probably don't want to get up at six a.m. at that age. You're like, what are we doing? Yeah. Well, for me, I wanted to. None, none of my teammates did, but I like I always wanted to because, like, to me, once he planted that seed in my head that this is what Michael Jordan did and this is what Larry Bird did, yeah. like to me, I'm like, that's who I want to be. Like so. You know, I'm going to do whatever I can. And I loved it. You know, when you're that young, it's like, you tell me anything to play basketball and I'll do it. Yeah. Um, so the love was always there. And then um, I had a his, – his name uh, was Coach Gray. Um, and then I had a coach named Mark Wyatt in middle school uh, who was my, tr- my travel team coach. He, uh, he really took me under his wing, allowed me to stay at his place for extended periods of time. And uh, he really just kind of – taught me how to be competitive like he was always comparing me to other guys like on rides home from like games he'd tell me how like there was a player named Derek Collins in our league who he never ended up like being really good but at that time he was legit yeah yeah just bigger than everybody super skilled could do everything um and he'd always like talk trash to me saying like oh Derek was uh he he got up this many shots this weekend uh his dad called me and said that that he's better than you um he shoots better than you like just kind of planting that little bug in me so that yeah and I I think from an early age that that kind of was like how I was wired to like try to be better than I picked the best player and try to be better than me you're a real philosophical guy uh 
And I wonder what you think, if you've ever thought, maybe what your life would be like right now if, if you didn't have basketball. Yeah. If, like, what would drive you? What would motivate you? What would you be passionate about if you didn't have this sport? Um, it'd be hard to say if I didn't have basketball because, for me, basketball introduced me to other passions. Yeah. Um, like, basketball taught me uh, about being a leader, taught me so much about myself. So I think it would be hard for me to say, like, without basketball as a whole because, honestly, I wouldn't know. I'd probably just be like every other kid that I grew up with back home not really doing much, you know. But uh, basketball has just introduced me to so much. Um, uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I probably, like, right now I want to be um, a life coach. So I, I want to mm-hmm. work with, um, with college athletes and, and uh, provide them emotional support for, like, just the, the struggles and the, the journey of being a college athlete. How much of an influence did your sister have on just being competitive? Because they're all older than you. They're all bigger than you, you mentioned. Yeah. So, like, there's, there's, there's already going to be a natural chip on your shoulder when you're the smallest, youngest dude yeah. trying to fit in. How much of that did she, maybe not even intentionally, but, like, inadvertently instill in you just by being the older sister and someone you looked up to? Yeah, I mean, just being around her and around her, around the guys that she played basketball with, that was super influential for me. Just, like, because when you play pickup, it, you, don't, you don't really see guys play pickup, like, outside anymore. Yeah. But, I mean, when I was growing up, at least, not that it was so long ago, but... Every every single day, like people would show up to play pickup at this court. Shoot on these trash double rims that are yeah, awesome too. Ex- chain, chain yeah, nets and exactly. Yeah. And it's like everybody's there watching. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if somebody gets crossed over or somebody is getting killed that day, everybody's talking about it, and you just see like the level of disappointment in their faces when they lose, and you have to sit out for two and three games in order to get back on the court. So, I mean, just, just seeing that, how much guys cared about winning and losing from a young age, I just thought that that was natural. So, like, when, when I lost a game, I just reacted that way almost just, just because that's all I knew, you know? You know, it's, your career is kind of interesting when you look at the college perspective of it because you're a top 50 kid coming out of high school. I think you were a top 10 point guard in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you go to Syracuse, who's this, you know – has a track record for, you know, taking high-level point guards like yourself and, you know, turning them into early entry draft picks and all this stuff like that. Like, what was that like to be in that position, going to a school like that as, you know, a highly regarded uh, high school prospect? Um, it was a lot at the time, you know. I think um, coming in um, two years before I got there, it was Michael Carter Williams. Mm-hmm. He was um, he's honestly a big reason why I decided to go there. Um, and then the year before I get there, we have Tyler Ennis. So we have two back to back lottery picks at the point guard spot. Um, and this, like it was just a lot of expectation for that position at that school Absolutely. at that time. Yeah. Um, and then so coming in my freshman year. Uh, I had some really good games, had some not so good games, but I think the biggest thing for me was that was my first time playing on that stage, and it was more so the things off the court that distracted me than the things on the court. So it was like I didn't know um, like how to handle like the social media. I didn't know how to like you see guys now like 
they call it, players call it like a blackout. They'll completely like shut down their all their social media accounts during mm-hmm. the season. But like for me at that time, I didn't know any better. So I could you come in with all this hype, and if you don't have like the proper guidance, um, they consume you. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it's I'm no different. Like just because I'm good at basketball, I'm no different than any other 17, 18 year old kid. You know, if somebody's if if somebody is saying something really good about you or really bad at you, it's going to make you feel away. And then if you have thousands of people saying that, it absolutely consumes you, you know? So I just think it was a learning process and um, something that took me uh, a little while to get uh, used to. But I mean, I wouldn't take it back for, for anything because, you know, I, I it's taught me so much about how to be a better man, you know? When you felt like it was time to maybe find a different setting that... You know, too many things were working against you, and it just didn't feel like the right place, and you wanted to look for a different spot. What was that process like in your mind when you felt like... Because imagine it's not like a knee-jerk reaction, right? It's like something that is gradually in your mind, like saying, oh, I, mean, I probably need to find somewhere yeah. else to go. Like, what's that process like in your mind to have to go through? Because you're in the middle of a season, probably, when the frustration is building. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how does it eventually culminate in a choice where you have to say, hey, you know, thanks for giving me the opportunity, but I need to look somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I think that season, it, it was it was super difficult because um, that was the year we went on a Final Four run. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like I'm doing something that every basketball player wants for themselves, you know, every basketball player wants to play in the Final Four. Every basketball player wants to experience going to March Madness and just all the hype around it. So, from one hand, like it was like this, like really grand, like cool experience. But then at the same time, it's like this is not the the side of the like this is not the the side of things that I want to be on. You know, I want to have an impact. I want to have fingerprints on the outcome, and. Um, so for me, it, it was tough because I didn't ever want to do anything that would distract from what our team was doing. Mm-hmm. So for me to say, for me to even mention the idea of transferring um, during the season would have been like completely out of character and just kind of selfish of me, you know, mm-hmm. because what we were trying to accomplish as a unit was much bigger than my personal feelings at the time. Um, but did, that, did you confide in anybody during that, during that time? Uh, that maybe helped you get through it mentally and yeah. at, least get to, at least get to the point where you guys could finish the season without having it. Yeah, I had I had a really good mentor at at, um, at Syracuse who helped me a lot, like a lot of conversations, like daily. Um, so yeah, I mean his uh, his name's Nate Bliss. Um, so he was like super super big for me. But um, when it came time after the season, you know, everybody goes in, you have your conversations with the coaches, mm-hmm. expectations for next year, what, what, uh, and just kind of where you're going to go from things. And, yeah, it was just a, it was a conversation. We had it. And then I just I, – I, I, yeah, that's all I'll say about it. Yeah. So when, when, you are, when you realize it's time to go somewhere else, like yeah. what, what were you looking for? Not even necessarily how you found this place yet, but like what what when you're like okay, I've got to find the place, and I and you probably at that point know there's a certain checklist maybe mm-hmm. in your mind, mm-hmm. and it might be a little bit different even than 
than what you would think is important coming out of high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what were you looking for at that stage in your in your life in terms of just finding a place that would bring the best out of you? I was a little confused, honestly, because um, I, I was trying to prioritize things in my head. Um, and one thing that was big for me was like I just wanted to, I genuinely just wanted an opportunity to play. Yeah. Like, I just, like, because I, I genuinely felt like if I just, like, if, if I had an opportunity to go in and compete for a spot that, um, that I, I, I had enough talent um, to take care of things on my own, you know? So I just needed, for, the first thing was just finding a place that needed a point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then style of play, um, coaching, like, you know, just, just those things, just like the regular, like, system type deals, you know? So it was a basketball-centric decision. It was, for yeah. sure. I never, I never tried to, because at the end of the day, like, it's a business. Like, yeah. you have to make, like, a business decision for you and, like... Especially at that stage in your life, it's probably really important to make the right call there, right? Because you're essentially... You, you don't, have, you don't have another shot at it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You, you don't get to transfer two and three times. So, I mean... It's, Unless you're Sterling Gibbs somehow. Yeah, you, you do. seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but he did it. <laughs> All power to you, bro. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to do it right. Um, I didn't want to go in and, like, have any confusion as to, like, what was going to go down. Like, I just wanted somebody who's going to be honest with me, somebody who's going to give me a fair shot, and then let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the what was the red shirt shirt year like? Because that's probably yeah. I, I I always find it interesting because everybody, you know, you're kind of like this mystery man. You know, mm-hmm. like no one gets to see you play. Yeah, uh, the fans don't know what you're about, and you know they kind of have to rely on whatever leaks out from the insider information. Like yeah. how good is this kid? Like yeah, how much of an impact is he going to make next year? And you know, so there's probably that noise going on, but it's also pretty tough for you guys. Because I haven't talked to one person who is like, yeah, I'm excited about this year where mm-hmm. I can sit a whole season and not play a single game. Like, yeah. That's tough. It is tough, for sure. Um, for me, it was just like, it, it was, I definitely needed it because coming from two completely different systems, completely different style of plays, like just learning the the way, like the terminology, mm-hmm. um, learning like playing man-to-man defense again, um, it, it, a lot of things like I just had to like get back to like the absolute fundamentals of things um, learning how to close out like how to box somebody out like that's just we didn't like when you're playing 2-3 zone you don't have to like rely on certain things you mm-hmm. just kind of rely on your, your length your athleticism um, and we didn't really have a lot of play sets and then you come here Mac has a playbook the size of a dictionary. Yes. And you're expected to remember four and five of them at a time. So it was it was big for me just to be able to sit back and watch and see like what worked for guys and what didn't, what made guys successful here and what allowed guys to fall off kind of. When uh, that next year came along and... You know, it's you, Tyler, Davion, and there's all kind of this building anticipation for this point guard battle that's going to shake out and wonder who's going to get it and, uh, you know, who's going to be the man to run the team yeah. uh, after Maurice Watson. And uh, then the injuries happen. Mm-hmm. So you've sat this entire season now trying to find a comfort level with the playbook and with the system, with the fundamentals of 
the new defense, and then now it's time for you to go compete for the spot that you've been wanting, itching for for a year, yeah. and then injuries happen. What was the mental blowback from that like? Like, how did you deal with that mentally, knowing that your body was kind of betraying you in the moment where you needed it the most, I guess? Yeah, I mean, that was, that was super tough for me, but I mean... It's just like to me, uh, I like you were talking about earlier. I'm kind of like philosophical or like spiritual or whatever you like may call it. I just try to take it as like, what is God trying to like tell me right now? Mm-hmm. Like, what is He trying to like get me to learn about myself that like I'm going to need for a later date? And um, it was a really hard time just trying to figure that out, you know? Um, what did you figure out? I just think. Things happen, and it's important for you to, like, like, honestly, like, if if I didn't go through that experience, my words wouldn't resonate with guys this time around, this year, the way they have. Like, guy, like people pay attention to how you handle adversity. Like, people pay attention to how you respond when things don't, like, go your way, mm-hmm. or, like, where you get, like, the bad end of a stick. And I think that um, as a leader, it's important for you to handle those situations right because your words just stick a little bit more, you know? Guys kind of rally behind you. Guys, I don't know, they just, I don't, I don't really know how to, like, describe it. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I do. Yeah. So, I mean, I think um, for me, it, it was, like, it's always bigger than basketball because, you know, basketball will stop one day. And I think that going through that at that stage in my life when that was the most important thing to me, it just put things into perspective for me and um, allowed me to really be able to, like, find peace in uh, what seemingly should be a super stressful time. So yeah. I I've, I've came away from that a much stronger human being. I always notice that when when you make a mistake or, you know, when you get frustrated that, you know, a coach is riding you or it's just not going right and it's start, it start, maybe start, starting to spiral, that Preston is a guy you leaned on a lot just, I don't even know what the right word to say is, but maybe for a reset, just a mental reset, just it seems like you listen to him and you understand where he's coming from more than maybe most coach on the staff, and correct me if I'm wrong about that, it's just an observation, but what kind of influence does he have in terms of just helping you get through, you know, all the things, all the moments where it's not going well? Yeah, I mean, he's a good guy. Um, I think for Preston, like, a guy like Preston, um, you ask any of the players or anybody that knows him, he's just kind of a guy that you can expect to tell you um, the brutal, honest truth at all times, regardless of the situation, how you feel, whether you're having a good day or bad day, he's going to give it to you the exact same way. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, I really respect people who are just genuine, honest people, you know, because in basketball, in sports, you ha- it's, it's hard to come by, you know? You have a lot of people blowing a lot of smoke up people's butt. Um, and, yeah, like you said, guys have agendas. And he's just kind of a, a very blunt guy. Um, another coach that we have on staff uh, who's new here, uh, Coach Lusk, he's, like, 
the ultimate like positivity guy, like always finding the silver lining. And um, he's another guy that like I just I really respect as like a man, and um, I really try to pick his brain. So um, yeah, th- those two guys. I mean, all the coaches they they do like they do yeah. their best. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we're all human. So I mean, yeah, I I, I just think uh, we have we have we have a lot of good good high character people around here. Mm-hmm. When uh when this year came around and. I mean, you know Marcus Zagorowski way back before anybody in Omaha knew about him. So you yeah. knew what kind of player was coming into the program. Uh, you know, Davion's got, a, you know, now a year and a half under his belt of running the team. Um, so you switched positions. Mm-hmm. What went into just you? Because, like, like I said, top 50 prospect, top 10 point guard in the country. Like, all those things, all those accolades before you got to your college career. Like, how hard was it to say, you know, what this team needs right now, maybe for what the best spot for me to do is, you know, to change my game up a little bit and, and do this instead of what I've always done is, is that. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, even, like, we were talking about, like, that year where I got hurt. Like, I just, um, that year, like, I just, like, you can't really do much when you're physically not able to get on the court right. or physically not able to compete for a spot. You know, like, I, my hamstring was banged up, like, couldn't get up and down the court. So, like, the idea of, like, trying to, like, fight for that, it just wasn't a reality for me at that time. So, for me, after dealing with that situation, I'm just in the mindset where, like, I'm great. I'm genuinely grateful for, like, good health. You know, I'm grateful just to be able to, like, play basketball. Um, So... Whether I have to play a point guard or play a shooting guard or play me at center, I really don't care. Really? Like, I just want to play because I played, I played 15 games, like, my junior year here. And all of it, like, just comes down to, like, just not being physically able to. Correct. So, like, so then to me it's like I just need an opportunity to just be healthy, take care of my body, and just, like, just get out there, you know? And obviously, like, when you don't, when you don't play much, um, coaches kind of, they get comfortable with, like, a certain rotation. Certain guys are able to, like, build a certain level of trust um, in certain situations, in crunch time, in certain situations. So I knew that, like, I didn't have that working in my favor because I, I wasn't physically able to go out there and battle in those moments, you know? So for me, it's just, like, Slowly but surely, like, I just need to continue to, like, get healthy, continue to, like, build trust in my coaching staff, and when the time comes, like, I'll be ready. You mentioned, you've mentioned a lot this year, staying present. Yeah. And you're the only kid I've heard say that. Sorry for calling you a kid. No, it's okay. You're the only only person I've heard on this team say that. So is that something you've adopted personally, just in terms of a mindset that encompasses everything you're dealing with? All the adversity that's working against you, uh, inconsistent playing time, being ready when your number's called, like, is staying present the, the key for you and all that? And how did you adopt that and say, like, that's what's going to be important for me to be ready whenever they need me? Yeah, um, that is a lesson that I've learned um, just throughout 
my whole basketball career, like my whole collegiate career, staying present. Because when I was uh, at Syracuse and I was playing well, um, I was only, I just remember, like I was only focused on basketball at those times. Like when I was playing at my best, I was only focused on basketball. When I was not playing at all, I was focused on just being the best version of myself every day. So like at every step of like my career, I thought it was important to like just focus on one thing at a time, you know? And it just, things just work out best for myself when I only worry about what's in front of me mm-hmm. and I don't try to like get too ahead of myself or reflect too much, you know, just keep it simple. Um, and this podcast doesn't probably work for not reflecting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, no, I, and then I'm like, I love like meditating and mm-hmm. like, um, I How just, have you been doing that? Um, for about two and a half years now. Really? Okay. Yeah. I just like, I'm super big on like, um, just like the power of your mind, like speaking things into existence, like understanding like the power that you have, like within you to like manifest certain things. Um, so I believe that in order to like be super conscious of like and live with intention, you need to like stay present, you know? Um, and I just think that for us right now, especially when you have a really young team, it's super valuable to like not get carried away because when you're young, like you, you become kind of eager, like, Oh, we have the big East tournament coming up, but it's like, can't think about the big East. Like we need to beat Providence. We need to beat, um, DePaul. DePaul, yeah, because at the end of the day, we go to Marquette, we win that game, and then we come home and lose these next two. It means nothing. So just worry about the step that's right in front of you, and then everything will take care of itself. Speaking of the step that's right in front of you, this DePaul game has kind of, in a weird way, with the way the season has gone, uh, Creighton versus DePaul is now the biggest game of the season for you guys. Mm-hmm. Probably didn't think it would be when you look at the schedule and all yeah. the murderers that were on that waiting Seriously. for you, but that's kind of where you're at now. Like I, like I said, alluded to before, all the uh, all the outside noise with the bubble talk and the Big East tournament seeding and all those things that maybe are uncontrollable are going to be dictated by how you guys perform on Saturday night. Do you get the sense that this is a you know season on the line type of a game? Do you feel like it's the biggest one of your career and or certainly maybe the most important as it's winding down and you still have those goals to get back to the NCAA tournament? Um, I hated that question, honestly. Sorry, you knew yeah. it was coming. Yeah, <laughs> but honestly, like, I really just think, I, I try not, honestly, for me personally, I try not to think of it in, in that sense. In bigger than it is. Yeah, yeah you yeah, know, like, sure. you can't, like, that's more for, like, the fans and, like, everybody outside, but in the reality, like, if you're going to, go out there and play, you need to just focus on the X's and O's, bringing the level of intensity that you need to, mm-hmm. and like just doing the things that you know it takes to win. You can't get caught up in, because like, ev- everything just becomes like bigger than life. Like, you know, every, like, it becomes such an emotional thing. And like in sports, you, you kind of want to stay away from that. Because and really? You seem like you play with a lot of emotion. Yeah, I think there's a time and place for it. Like, uh-huh. I think you you don't want to, like, put so much weight on, like, you can't make this game 
so much because then in the process of like playing the game, every shot that you take, like it's like, oh, if I miss this, then we're going to lose. You know, it creates a certain like level of paranoia in your mind. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's mostly like just focusing on the actual game, you know. Would freshman version of you deal with that differently? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. So I guess there's going to be a, a point in time now because, because with this being senior day, um, you're going to have to take a microphone and be a little reflective in front of all these strangers that have kind of, you know, been behind you whether you know it or not for all these two, three years of your Creighton career. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about what that moment's going to be like when you have to, you know, put it all together and encapsulate what these three years of Creighton have meant to you? Um, I have thought about it because I've, I've seen uh, two senior days since I've been here. And uh, I always told myself, do not be the guy up there, like, crying. So that's, like, goal number one for me. Goal number one is not to cry. Yeah, don't cry. Don't cry. Okay. Um, and then, Good luck. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be, uh, like, a bittersweet, kind of sad, you know, because mm-hmm. my college career is almost over, you know. Mm-hmm. So... For me, it's just obviously you want to thank all the people that have helped you get to this point and then just realize, like, it kind of gives you a little bit more to fight for. Like, I don't want this to finish, and when it when it is over, I want to go out on my terms. So for me, that's just kind of the m- mentality that I'm taking. What 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 has this three years done for you as a person? Like, how – maybe not even – what role Creighton had in it versus how much you had in just growing at Creighton, but what type of person were you coming in when you first got here and what type of person are you as you get ready to leave? Yeah, I think um, as a man, uh, I've definitely grown into myself. I think that uh, I'm much more sure of myself. Um, and I just think that I... I have more, I, I move with a little bit more purpose now because I, I understand, like, the significance of, like, decisions that you make. I understand, like, um, I just feel like I have a little bit more wisdom, I guess, mm-hmm. since um, since I first walked. Through your, through all that you've been through. Yeah, exactly. And Iron, like, you know, forged through the fire, if you will. Absolutely. A little deeper there. Yeah, that's <laughs> big time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just I just think that, like, I'm just more prepared for life after basketball and just life as a whole, you know? Do you think about that? Life after basketball? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I love basketball. That's but what like, I mean, because, like, like, you talk about staying present, and basketball is such a big part of, you know, who you are now, mm-hmm. but there's also a part of you that understands it doesn't last forever. Yeah. I, just, I guess, what's, what's that like when you try to mentally get yourself to prepare, to prepare yourself for life after basketball, when, it's, when you can't play it anymore? How do I prepare for it? Yeah, like what's what's what was when you try to look at your life when when it's time to put the shoes away and yeah, I mean even it's time to stop crossing dudes up and yeah. dotting them up and all that stuff. <laughs> I mean, I, I that's like I I really really think that like athletes don't give themselves enough credit for like um, the lives that we live and like the amount of time and dedication that you that we put into our crafts and just what it takes to be able to play at this level. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think that the lessons and just like the, the DNA that you build in yourself, 
um, throughout your playing career in order to get to this point. I think if you take that along with you um, into life after basketball, you're going to be super successful because like, I genuinely just have a hard time believing that most 18 and 19 year old kids when they step into college uh, have to take on as much as um, the average division one athlete, let alone like playing the most competitive sport, like with the most riding on every game, you know, playing basketball. So I think that um, I'm definitely well equipped with um, with all the things that I need to be successful for life after basketball. There were a lot of zigs and zags along your path to where you are now. Because I imagine if you come in with a certain expectation as out of high school, mm-hmm. you probably expect it to go a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I think unconventional would be a fair way to, 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 to classify your career. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you have any... Because of who you are now, do you have any regrets about the journey you had to take to get to this point? Or do you feel like, as you said before, everything was for a reason and you can see the reason more clearly a little bit now? Yeah. I mean, even now, like, it's, it's like, impossible to say, like, this is exactly why this happened um, or if this didn't happen. And, like, you can, you can, like, go for days about, like, why things happen and stuff like that. But for me... Um, I don't regret anything, you know, um, I really don't because, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, like perspective wise, I've had the ability to travel the world, play basketball, I've been to different countries, Italy, Spain, like just bouncing a basketball, you know, mm-hmm. I've had opportunities that my parents haven't even had. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've been able to go to school for free. I've been able to um, get an education and meet people that have taught me so much about life and be able to pick the brains of some of the wisest people. Um, so when you put it all in perspective, it's really hard to say, oh, I wish I didn't do this or I regret that because that's foolish, you know? Um, but do I wish like I had like um, m- made more of like an educated um decisions like throughout my college career absolutely you know but I mean like who, who doesn't sometimes look back and say like I, if I had a little bit more information I probably wouldn't have gone that route and I probably would have done this instead that's just human nature you know mm-hmm. but I mean I'm super grateful and thankful for everything that I've experienced hey man I'm super grateful for this experience to yeah. pick your brain a little bit here appreciate it brother thanks a lot um, congratulations on a it's been a ride. Yeah, for that, sure. That's coming to an end here. Yeah. Um, and good luck on Saturday night. Thank you. I appreciate it.